0: As you know, we've been in a series for seven weeks called Lipstick on a Pig, where we've been uh, really trying to look beyond the facades that we as humans have a tendency to put forward and try to look at the deeper issues in life. And kind of our springboard verse for this series has been Mark chapter 12, verse 30, where Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, all of your being. And as we entered and began this journey, if you remember, on every journey and every time that we want to improve ourselves uh, and do something, a lot of times uh, we fail. So we started out this journey saying, you know what, what are some common ways that we fail? And if you uh, remember, we saw that number one, we weren't clear on the goal. Uh, Next one was that we succumbed to fear, uh, either fear of failure or fear of success. People give up too early. Uh, people trust themselves. Remember, uh, we rarely fail in new ways. That, that once we find a way to fail, we stick with it, and they lack support. And then the next week, we looked at why do people succeed? What are some key things that we need to put in life to help us succeed in this journey of becoming healthy and doing life well and becoming uh, more holistic worshipers, uh, full worshipers of God? and uh, have a reason or goal, you know, that we've been put on this planet that to have a relationship with God and a relationship with with others, that that the meaning of, of life really comes down to that is, is who we are in Christ, and having a reason or goal going for, and not having a, a spirit of fear, that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gives us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Another way that we succeed is by taking one more step. And then we talked about uh, succeeding by having people around you who love you, who inspire you, who push you, and who are steadfast in their commitment. And then we, the next week we looked at facing our giants. And a lot of times. As we go through life, we think that the giants that we're facing, that we're alone, that everybody else is doing fine. And this is probably one of the biggest dangers about facades is because all around us, people have real hurt, real pain, and need real help and community from from people. But we put out these facades and it perpetuates itself. And everybody looks around and says, oh, if they're doing okay, if they have a new car, then I should have a new car. Or if their, their relationship looks like it's working, then why is it mine? And, and we start to feel inferior. And the reality of life is when you get past the facade, when you get past the front door of people's homes, when you get past the makeup, when you get past the lipstick on the pig, a lot of people are hurting. And all of us, no matter how great our life is, how how well we do, there's going to be periods in our life where we experience real pain. And the, the, the testimony of a successful life is not one that's absent of conflict or pain, but how you respond to that pain. And that's what we looked at in that week. And then uh, we talked about just in week four and five, just really investing in our in our whole being, investing in our intellectual being, you know, reading books and learning and honoring God with our intellect, honoring God with our spirit, honoring God in our relationships and our emotions, honoring God with uh, what we eat and, and how we take care of our bodies. And then last week, Dan talked about investing in, in your life spiritually and investing in others spiritually and lifting them up. And in this week, in the final week, we're going to wrap this all up and we're really going to look at what is it going to take to help us persevere into becoming closer to the heart and mind of Christ to really experiencing the one true living God. But before we jump into that, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to turn to somebody, preferably someone you do not know, and ask them this question, what can ruin a good day? Go for it. One thing that can just ruin my day is somebody cutting me off in traffic. I, that it just irritating. Just any sort of traffic kind of nonsense will just set me off in such a bad mood. And, and it just, I don't know what it is. I mean, it just, I, I feel so shallow about it. I was like, wow, why can't I? Let it go. I don't know if it's the LA, you know, road rage kind of thing in me or, or anybody. Just that's something that just irritates me. Lines irritate me, all, all sorts of stuff. But this is not a therapy session for me to, yeah. to, to, to get all this off my chest. Uh, we're here to get closer to God. So uh, if you guys will open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, uh, verse 1. Um, it's interesting, uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes is, is talking about, about how little, little things can cause big damage. Dead flies will cause even a bottle, bottle of perfume to stink. I like that stink is in the Bible. <laughs> yes, an ounce of foolishness can outweigh a pound of wisdom and honor. The hearts of the wise lead them to do right, and the hearts of the foolish lead them to do evil. You can identify fools just by the way they walk down the street. If your boss is angry with you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. There is another evil I've seen as I have watched the world go by. Kings and rulers make a grave mistake. If they give foolish people great authority. And if they fail to give people of proven worth, their rightful place of dignity. I have even seen servants riding like princes and princes walking like servants. When you dig a well, you may fall in it. When you demolish an old wall, you could be bitten by a snake. When you work in a quarry, stones might fall and crush you. When you chop wood, there is danger with each stroke of your axe. Such are the risks of life. Since a dull axe requires great strength, sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. You know, sometimes it just seems like nothing's going to go right, and nothing goes right. You know, you, you go out and you dig a well, and you're admiring it, and you fall in it. <laughs> or you're tearing down an old wall, and as you're doing it, you know, a snake bites you. Or you're sitting in the quarry, and you're quarrying in a way, and the rocks just fall and, and crush you, or you're, you're, you're chopping your wood with your axe, and you lop off your hand. I mean, it just in this broken, messy world. I mean, stuff just happens like that. And, it, and, and these kind of things can, can ruin your whole day or, or ruin your whole life. And, it, and if you're really honest, it, if these things kind of build up, that you, you have the tendency to want to give up. I've seen people uh, just with health problems, and they'll, they'll go and they'll, they'll be ill and then they'll get well. And then they'll get ill with something else and they get well. And along the way, after you know, a series of these things, they just break down and they and they give up. And it's not because of the one particular illness, it's the accumulation of years of different types of things. And it just squashes your your, your spirit. The same is true with relationships. That when we go from friend and a friend betrays us and then another friend betrays us, that after a while we have the tendency to want to shut down and we just give up altogether on relationships. That so many things in life that that can be good or, or indifferent or just are part of life, As we we move forward, it it has the tendency, if we're not careful, we're not intentional, that it could steal the joy of life that, that our God has given us. And if we don't take special care, we can miss out on really experiencing the life that God has envisioned for us. And I find it interesting that in verse 10, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, Since a dull axe requires great strength, sharpen the blade. Kind of this, this imagery. And I don't know if you've ever chopped wood, but you know, if you if you're just trying to bash it and blunt with a blunt instrument, it just doesn't cut very well and it takes a lot of strength. But if you hone your skills, if you hone that blade and sharpen it, that the task becomes much, much easier. And so many of us have such a hard time really connecting with God, experiencing God, have such a hard time connecting with others, such a hard time, you know, doing physical activity, such a hard time building ourselves intellectually. And it really comes down to is yeah these things are really hard, and the difference between somebody who succeeds and somebody who fails, and someone who has to put a lot of effort, and someone who seems like they're kind of cruising through effortlessly, are people who practice self-control and do the applied the law of cumulative benefit and. Keep on practicing and not getting discouraged. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 24, he says, Remember that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. Look, we are all running here. We're all running in this life. It's kind of funny. In uh, one of my triathlete magazines that uh, I read, Uh, there's been a shoe company that has had a series of ads uh, basically uh, coming out against jogging. And uh, this month's ad came out. It says, we've been running for four million years. We've been jogging since the 70s. He says, and then the ad goes on to say, is it no wonder that the, the decade that brought us disco and feathered hair and tight running shorts is also the decade that gave us this lackluster style of running called jogging. And I, I was thinking about that and, and these ads, you know, they're, they're kind of funny and as, you, as, you, as you read them. But the truth is so many of us have settled for jogging. In this race of life. A lackluster kind of just moseying along, going along and not running to win. And Paul's here to remind us, look, there is a prize worth running for. Not only in this life, but life eternal. But that's going to take discipline. It's going to take effort. He says you must train or run in such a way that you will win. All athletes practice strict self-control. It's not easy. You know, you look at a Michael Jordan or you look at other top-tier athletes. Yeah, they have natural ability. I'm not going to take that away from them. But they also have an amazing work ethic. I mean, think about Michael Jordan if... You know, he didn't really practice ever practice that much, and and he just sat on the on the couch watching Oprah eating bonbons or something like that. He wouldn't have been the greatest ever to live. You think about Wayne Gretzky, who was the most amazing hockey player ever. You know, he didn't have the size. He didn't he he didn't even have the speed. He was not your typical hockey player, but what he did was he worked at it, worked at it, and worked at it, and overcame where he was. He practiced self, strict self-control until he was the best. They do this to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What Paul is talking about here is, hey, you know what? These things, these spiritual disciplines, do not come naturally or easily. Just like being physically fit or or a degree these kind of things do not happen overnight to being emotionally healthy it takes day in and day out doing the right thing and practicing strict self control and we don't want to hear that in our microwave world these are we want it now we want to be thin now we want to be smart now You know, we want to do, we want everything as quick as possible. But the truth is that a meaningful life takes a lifetime to build. And it doesn't happen overnight. Again, verse 10, since a dull axe requires great strength, sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. So how how do we sharpen the blade? And really, you know, when we do something every so often, it takes so much more effort. But if we take the time and we, you know, prepare and we sharpen that blade before we cut the wood, how, how do we do that? Well, in Proverbs 27, verse 17, there's, there's a piece of wisdom here that I think is very important in our journey. It says, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. And basically what this verse is screaming out through the ages to us is choose your friends wisely. I asked somebody when I was a young man, I said, I asked somebody, how do you think people see me? If they said, that's simple. Look at your best friend. And that's how they see you. I said, oh. <laughs> the truth is, you are who you hang out with. Successful people hang out with successful people. Athletes hang out with athletes. Intellects hang out with intellects. People who are spiritually well hang out with others spiritually well people. Proverbs twenty two, twenty-four says, keep away from angry, short tempered people, or they'll punch you. No, or you <laughs> or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. That's the negative. What is being said here is you can be pulled down so easily by by bad company. But and it only takes a little you can unravel a lifetime of good works by some foolish behavior it's not fair is it that that we can we can watch what we eat and exercise every day and we can go to church on sunday and read our bible every day we can learn and expand our mind we can practice relational wellness and, and, and being emotionally sound. And we can do all these things in one careless evening. Just throwing caution to the wind can unravel a lifetime. Dead flies will cause even a bottle of perfume to stink. Yes. Is it fair? No. No. Is it reality? Yes. That's why we have to practice self strict self-control. And that's why it's so important And I wanted to conclude this series by going back and really looking at the company we keep and what the, what the characteristics of, of people who are going to inspire us and move us forward to where we need to be because the truth is we cannot do it alone. And we need to identify those people around us who are going to love us and they're going to inspire us and they're going to push us and they are going to stand by our side. In Proverbs 27, verse 6, talks about really, real true love from a friend. It says, wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. And you look at that and you say, well, that doesn't make much sense. You know, why would I want wounds from a friend? I'd much rather have kisses from an enemy. Unless he's hairy or stinky or something like that. But but, you know, wound why is that? Because you know what? If somebody's your friend, if somebody's their true friend, your true friend, if somebody really loves you, they tell you the truth. And a lot of times that truth really, really. And we have the tendency to go, you know what, I don't want to hear that. I want to go over here to someone who may not care about me or maybe my enemy because they're tickling my ears with what I want to hear. But when we do that, we are jogging. We're accepting much less of what we could be experiencing. God says, run. God says, sharpen the axe and chop that wood. Don't accept something less than what I have intended for you. Also, in being around people who inspire you, back to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 in verse 9, two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. And on a cold night, two under the same blanket who are married can gain gain warmth from each other. That was commentary, by the way. But... How can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. You want to do something, you really want to do something, you want to succeed in something, don't go it alone. If, If you want to become a spiritual giant, if you want to really experience God and get on the edge of what he is doing, grab a friend or two who are going to encourage you and push you and move you. Because if or when you fall, they will be there to help you up. You really want to treat your body as a temple? You know what? Get involved with people who are doing that. Learn those disciplines. You want to Grow in intellect. You want to worship God with your mind? Find the smartest people you can. Hang out with them. Have them inspire you. You want to be emotionally well? Don't hang out with the guy drinking beer and watching SpongeBob. Hang out with people who are interacting in real conversations and experiencing one another, and even though there's conflict, working through that conflict, and growing and pushing one another. Because in Proverbs 27, verse 9, it says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. That being pushed by a friend is important. You have to have give people the relational right to push you when you have stopped because we all get tired. We all get to a point in our minds and we say that's good enough. But we want to be around people who push us more and more, not shove us, but push us. The In the triathlon group uh, here at the church, I used to run a stellar, like, 14-minute mile, and and in my mind, I I thought, wow, if I could ever get to a a 10-minute mile, that would be really, really great, and I remember getting down to 12 and then starting to do 10, and I I, got to be honest with you, if it wasn't for this group, a 10-minute mile would be good enough for me. But they're all running like a seven-minute mile or eight-minute mile. And then uh, Paul, who's 50-something, is kicking my tail and, and running like... <laughs> I didn't see you were here. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> Just 50 for the record. <laughs> but he's faster than me. And you know what? We put. Well, I don't push him, but he pushes me <laughs> to say, you know what? That old man's not going to beat me. I can get out there and train. And so, like, oh, come on. I don't care who you are. That's funny. <laughs> but the, the, the principle here is you know what? Surround yourself with people who, who are going to push you and move you toward these goals of being a holistic worshiper. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 80. He's talking to, um, he says, So we have urged Titus, who's encouraged your giving in the first place. He's talking about giving here, but it's really about encouragement. To return to you, you and encourage you to complete your share in the ministry of giving. Watch what he says here. He says, Since you excel in so many ways, you have so much faith, such gifted speakers, such knowledge, such enthusiasm. In such love for us. Now I want you to excel also in this gracious ministry of giving. What Paul's doing here is saying, look, you do these things so well. And here you're, you're, you're falling behind a little bit. Your generosity quotient here needs some work. And I want to encourage you to raise that up to the other levels of of your life. He's encouraging them and pushing them. And then finally, in these relationships for us to succeed, we have to look for someone who's going to be steadfast. In Proverbs 18, 24, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. There's nothing worse than broken confidence. There's nothing worse than having somebody who you open up to and ask for help look at you and say, you know what, I don't believe in you anymore. I can't support you. That that these faults are too much. That... We need people in our lives, and we need to be those type of people who will stand beyond, beside one another through thick and thin. Because life is hard. Sometimes dead flies get in our perfume. Sometimes we get bitten by a snake when we break down a wall. These things do happen, but when we get discouraged and when life seems like it is too much, we need to come together at those moments. The Bible says that a friend is born in a time of need. We can all be friends when it's easy. But if we truly have a desire To really be a healthy church filled with healthy individuals. And I'm not talking about just physical health. I'm talking about the whole package. And it's going to require work. It's going to require discipline. And it's going to require friendship, true friendship like we've never experienced before and we need to seek out those friends who are going to love us and inspire us and push us and be steadfast so we can experience a holistic life that God has envisioned for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, So many times we have good intentions to change our lives, to improve our lives. And God, I just pray through the course of this series that you people have been able to pull from your word principles to apply to their lives, that they've received clarity on where they are going. God, I just pray that we'll be a community that will love one another enough to tell each other the truth, that will inspire each other to outbursts of love and good deeds, who will push one another toward your image of what you have designed us to be, and that we will also, in the hard times, be steadfast in our